your opinion. Who is Jesus? See, now, see, now you won't start trouble. It's a myth created by man in order to control society. I don't, I don't consider Jesus my savior or my spiritual leader. He is a spiritual leader and right. one of the spiritual leaders I learned from. Who is Jesus in Who your opinion? Who was he? Who was Who he? Who was he? Was a man. He was a man, okay. Absolutely. Your opinion. Jesus is, in my opinion, yeah. he's everything around here. He's spiritual, everything, earth, water, fire, everything. Jesus is all that's good, all the things that are positive and affirmative in life. Uh, that's Jesus. I believe he's a higher power in the form of a man. Everyone else walking around, there's not another Jesus. There's just one. So yeah, I believe he definitely did something. Oh. Yeah, uh, like on Jesus like, is not a person. He's not a person. Okay. Okay. So do you believe he was a man or just like some higher power or? No, I don't believe in. Don't believe he even no. existed. No. Okay. No. Jesus is um, our savior. Jesus is everything. He's the reason why we live. He's the reason why um, we get to do the things that we do in life. He's my heart and he's what I speak through my poetry, through my work, through my everyday life. That's Jesus. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to John chapter 1, and uh, we're going to go there. This is a very, uh, it's a very famous scripture passage, one that I really enjoy, and we're going to be talking about this tonight. We're going to break it down. So let's read it. Here it is. Um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Let's uh, go down to verse 9 now. This is going to be 9 to 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who, uh, who were born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember that line, because we're going to be talking about that. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Has anybody heard that passage before? In the beginning was the word. It's a very popular passage. It's a very famous one. Before we start, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, Fred Fuller over there does photo uh, shoots and stuff like that. And he came to our house one day and did some photo shoots of our family. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but my wife had our fourth kid in uh, sometime. When was he born? Two months ago? Three months ago? What is it? November. September baby. All right. So we had our fourth. I have another kid that's born in November. So ease off. All right. Ben, do you know all the months that your children were born? Yeah, you're a better dad than I am, though. All right. So, so we had our fourth kid, and we thought it'd be cool to get family pictures. So we had Fred come over, and Fred took a bunch of pictures. And uh, the cool thing that he does is he just says, hey, just hang out with your family, and I'm just going to follow you around. Here, sit on the couch together. Boom. Let's go. Let's go over here. Let's do this. And he got a ton of different pictures, and he sent us the pictures afterwards. And what was really cool about it is Brittany goes, she goes, Matt, you need to check these pictures out. Like, look at this. 
And there was one picture where everybody was smiling except for my son Peter, who clearly didn't get his way before this picture, and he was like, and just kind of had the, the moody face. There was another picture where we were doing funny faces. There was another picture where uh, the baby, James, my youngest, started crying, who was born in September, apparently. All right, and he's, he's crying, and he's just crying, but it's in the picture. We got one where Mora was holding her little brother, James, all right, and you're just like, oh, what a cute moment. Well, they share a bedroom now, and she can't stand him at night because he keeps her up sometimes, right? And so what's funny is we got, we're looking at these different pictures, and if we were to lay all of those pictures out side by side by side by side, and I, and, and I went up to my wife and said, which one of these pictures really represents our family? The answer would be all of them, right? All of them. If you ever get to hang out with my family at all, we, we, we play around a lot. We're a pretty foolish group, actually, especially my son, Peter. He's crazy, but he's awesome. He's a cool kid, all right? My, my, my daughter, Mora, is crazy. My son, Jack, is crazy. My son, James, is super happy a lot of the times, except when he's hungry. But the thing is, all of those pictures captured a, a reality of my family in, in different, different times. So you could actually say that every single one of those pictures is an accurate representation of my family, but they're from different perspectives. They're from different, uh, you could almost call them different portraits of my family. So what we're going to do tonight, can you go ahead and hit that graphic up on the um, screen if you don't mind? Zach Burleson, there it is. You got it on that one. Good job. All right. Here it is. Making a Messiah. Who is Jesus Christ? This right here, um, this is a series that I thought about after I saw the series Making a Murderer on Netflix. Now, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I actually haven't seen it, but I saw the picture for it. And in the, in the, the documentary there, it's, it's what they do is they talk about this guy who uh, went to jail at a pretty young age, and he spent most of his life in prison. And then it comes out later that there may or may not have been uh, some tampering with evidence, and he may have been wrongfully accused. So they do this whole documentary to try to see if he's innocent or if he's guilty. And what's cool about it is the picture on the front, it shows it's, it's cut just like that. And guys, fun fact for you, that is just two pictures that I put together. I ripped the one of Jesus, laid it on top, and took a picture with my phone. It turned out pretty sweet, actually. So, but, but this is exactly how the picture from the Netflix one looks like, where it shows his old person face that's been in prison, and then, it sh- and then it's torn, and then the rest of the other half of his face is his face as a child. And they went all the way back from the beginning, and they're just like, hey, we're going to show you every aspect of this guy, and we want you to decide, is he guilty? Is he not guilty? And I- has anybody seen it? I haven't seen it. Is it good? Okay, I have to. Yeah, I know season two came out, and they said they should have just stuck with season one. He seems more guilty in season two, apparently. Or I don't- Have you seen that? Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to watch it. But that, again, that whole documentary is what they're trying to do is show you every perspective. What I thought would be cool is if we did a, uh, a series called Making a Messiah, and it's to answer this question right here. Who is Jesus Christ? Now, if I ask you guys this question, a lot, I, I imagine we'd get a lot of answers. Like, for instance, let, let's try this. Ready? If, would somebody be willing to raise your hand and tell me who is Jesus Christ? Just anything you know about Jesus. Yes, ma'am. He's the son of God. That's a big deal. Yes, sir. He's our Savior. That's a big deal, too. Yes. He's what? He died for us. Yes. Anybody on this side? These guys are schooling you guys. Come on. Give me one. Give me one. Starts with a J, right? His last name is Christ, maybe. I don't know if that's... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right? That's okay. That's okay. They, they've summed it up, right? We, we, Jesus is... He's kind of a big deal. And, and what I want to do is, um, based on that opening video that we watched... You got one? 
I'll come back to you. All right. Um, based on that opening video that we watched there, did you see all the different opinions that people have about Jesus Christ? My favorite was when they said, uh, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And they were like, was. Jesus Christ was. And I was like, whoa, calm down, lady. All right. But people get upset. That first guy, what was his response? He goes, oh, man, you're really, yeah, you're asking for trouble, right? You're trying to upset me, right? We're like, no, we're just asking about Jesus. And so we, I think people, a lot of people have a wrong idea about who Jesus is. They have a misconception. And what I want to do is I want to show you a video that is the ultimate misconception of Jesus. This is a, a, a fake video called Vintage Jesus, which me and my wife watched when we were in college. Like, these things have been out for a while. And here's the premise. Don't start it yet. Don't rush me. Don't rush me now. Oh, man. All right. Let me do some build-up first, all right? Um, this, this is a funny video, okay, um, where what they've done is this, this, it's a bunch of guys at a church. They found these old-school Jesus videos from, like, the 70s, and they just dubbed their voice over it. And they gave Jesus, like, this lisp. They made him talk really funny. They made him, like, he's always calling people sinners and how they're doing everything wrong. And they asked him, they said, why did you make this video? And they said, well, we thought it'd be funny to, to make a Jesus that people talk about. Like, uh, people, people say, oh, they might, some people might think Jesus is really like this, okay? You can laugh at this. This is not sacrilegious. It's a bunch of guys having a good time. Okay, here we go. Do you think he can fly? Shh. Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, hmm. Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. And Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. Yes. It's good quality television there, guys. I, I have to tell you, I, um, that, I've, I've probably seen that like 10 years, and it never gets old to me. I can quote that whole thing. My favorite, my favorite is when he was like, uh, when he goes, 
Oh, yes, yes. Oh, good point. Yeah, if you're on your online notes there, you can go to, uh, I think I called it, what are they called, related media or something like that? Yeah, look at the bottom. I put all the links to the videos that we're watching. So if you want to go back and rewatch some vintage Jesus, just don't tell your parents you found that at church, okay? But that right there, would you guys agree that that right there is, pro- that is an image or a portrait of Jesus that some people do believe? They think that Jesus is just a guy who just says, hey, here's what you've done wrong, here's what you've done wrong, here's what you've done wrong. And then it doesn't help when we as Christians uh, do that, right, where we go, hey, we're Christians, here's what you've done wrong, here's what you've done wrong, here's what you've done wrong. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to look at different ways to view Jesus. We're going to look at different portraits. I'm basing this series actually off of a book I read that's called The Four Portraits of Jesus, and what you might not realize is that there, there are four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are all the Gospels that talk about Jesus, his birth, his life, and his death. But each Gospel is, is told in a, in a little bit different way that shows you a different aspect of Jesus. You could almost say it's a portrait of the same person just done by a different painter. And what you do is in each Gospel, you start to see Jesus in a different light. And so when we're talking about our series here, when we're saying making a Messiah— over the next four weeks, including tonight, we're going to be talking about um, each of the Gospels, just, just a, a couple of verses from each Gospel, but I want to show you a different uh, view to look at Jesus. So next week, let me see what's next week. Next week, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the healer. The week after, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the sacrifice. The week after, the final week, it's going to be Jesus as the rescuer, okay? But tonight, we're going to be talking about Jesus is God, And that right there, if you don't think that Jesus is God, then you have a faulty, shaky foundation for Christianity. Because that's like the first thing you have to believe, okay? So what I want to do is I want to pray for us real quick. And after we pray, we're going to answer that question of how do you see God, okay? Or how do you see Jesus? I'm sorry. So let's pray and then we'll we'll get going. Dear God, thank you again for this night and I thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I just pray that you, uh, you give me the words, God. Give everybody in here the hearts to, to hear what it is you want us to learn tonight. We're going to be diving into the Gospel of John, and we're going to be talking about um, just uh, how, how John viewed you, God. And, and Lord, my, my prayer is that, that we can look at Jesus hopefully a little bit differently tonight if, if we don't see him correctly, and that any kind of misconceptions about Jesus just being a regular man, I pray that we can just uh, throw those out the window, God, as we talk about how you are, in fact, God. We love you, and we pray to you uh, in your name. Amen. All right, so what I want to do, go ahead and hit the first point for me, Zach. Here's what, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at John's portrait of Jesus. Uh, remember, we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I know we're starting with the fourth gospel, but I like the fourth gospel, and it kind of fits my point a little better, so we're going to skip the first three, okay? But we're going to be looking at John, and we're going to be looking at um, how he, uh, what he focused on when it comes to how we should view Jesus. Now, if you don't know anything about John, uh, like I said, it's the fourth gospel. It focuses on the last three years of Jesus's life. It doesn't, it doesn't really go through the great detail that the other ones go through. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call synoptic gospels that, that they, they tend to be a little more historical. Like you'd read them as like you would, like uh, this is a biography on uh, Jesus, right? John's a little bit different. John, John w- had a very specific purpose in mind with the readers, and he said, and here, here's what it is, ready? I wrote this on there. This is the summary of John's gospel. This is on your digital notes there. Jesus is the divine son of God who reveals the Father, providing eternal life to all who believe in him. 
John's whole purpose with writing this book was to convince the reader, hey, this is not just an ordinary man. This is the Son of God. He is God himself walking amongst us, and you should give your life to him so that you can have eternal life. You guys know John 3.16, right? For God, so say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, that was a bunch of people saying different versions at once because <laughs> we didn't get all the words right. But, but that's the idea, right? That verse right there sums up all of John. So what I want to do is I want to reread John 1, 1 to 5. Okay, so uh, pull that back up one more time. Uh, follow along, and let's read this, and then we're going to kind of break this down, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in, or he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now, I'll tell you guys, I'll be honest with you, I've been struggling with this passage for the last three days. I, I, the last two nights, I've been, I, I've, I've been like trying to write my lesson out and write my lesson out, and I just could not land the plane on it, where I wanted to talk to you about what this means, where it's, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, um, you know, after doing a little bit more research today and just kind of reading through my Bible and praying about it, here, here's, here's one thing that I read recently, um, is that John had two, mer- two primary audiences here when he's talking to these people. He had the Jews, and then he had the Greeks. Now, if you know the Jews, the Jews are the people who believed in God, right? They were waiting for this coming Messiah. And the Jews, when, when John was writing to them, he used this very important word here called, um, it's called, uh, well, it's, it's the word, word. Look at verse 1 with me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The, another word for this, or the Greek word for this is logos. Everybody say logos. It's my favorite Greek word. I try, I try to say it all the time because it makes me feel smart, all right? But the thing about, ooh, I just met one of my exercise goals just standing here. Sweet feel better about myself already. All right. I just got my, uh, my calorie made. Okay, sweet. Let's move on. All right. Well, guys, what, what I'm going to do is instead of saying the word word, I'm going to use the word logos, which is what it is. Okay, so let's read it one more time. Verse one. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. Now, John, the cool thing about John writing the book of John is that he, he was very intentional with this word logos because to the Jews, it meant something different than what it meant to the Greeks. Here's what it meant to the Jews. When they, when they think about the word of God, right, the logos of God, the Jews would think about, oh, when God speaks and things happen. You guys realize that God has a very powerful voice. And I'm not talking about loud. I'm talking about what, what did God do with his voice in Genesis 1? Does anybody remember? I'm saying it's logos, not logos. No. Correct. Yes. Right, yeah, a lot of people say logos, and that is the incorrect way to say it. It's logos. We'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. I got to go, dude. I got to go. All right, so what happened in Genesis chapter 1? What happened? With his voice. What did he do with his voice? He spoke everything into creation. Now, let me ask you, can anybody in here, can, <laughs> two things, can anybody create something out of nothing? No, you can't do Only God can do that. And as if that's not strong enough, guess what? He spoke creation into existence out of nothing. I mean, there was literally nothing. 
And so the Jews, this is why the Jews were pretty, uh, they, they took this word logos very seriously because they said Jesus's voice or God's voice is this very powerful thing that it speaks things into creation. When God speaks, things happen. When God's mighty voice speaks, things change, right? So when John was writing and he says logos, this is, this is what he was talking about to them. Now let's go over to the Greeks. I don't know if you know anything about the uh, ancient Greece or anything, but these guys were all about intellect. They were all about logic. They were all about their wits and stuff like this. And to them, this word logos means, uh, it means that, reason. It means um, uh, uh, logic and purpose and stuff like that. So when they talk about in the beginning was the word or the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God, guess what? They're saying, the Greeks took that as, oh yeah, in the beginning was God and it was him and his reason and his intellect and his will, Right? They put reason a very high thing up there back in the day. They're like, if you, if you can get reason and logic and all that stuff and, and, and rationality and all that, you, you got it, man. And so I, I love that Jesus or that John uses this word because um, it, it's cool that he hit two broad audiences here, right? He wasn't just speaking to the Jews. He wasn't just speaking to the Greeks or the Gentiles. He was speaking to everybody because guess who deserves to hear the message of Jesus Christ? Everybody, not just, not just the Jews, not just the Greeks, but everybody. All right? Tell you what, let's go down to, um, let's go down to verse 9. We're going to read 9 to 14 one more time because we hear about this, uh, this word logos, and it's obviously, I mean, it's a very important thing. I mean, he was in the beginning with God, and it doesn't just say that he was with God. It says that he was God. So the logos is God, right? But who are they talking about? Let's keep reading. Verse 9, okay? Here it is. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Here's the important verse, okay, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Lagos became flesh, and it dwelt among us. We observe this glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is the Lagos? It's Jesus Christ, right? He became flesh and dwelt among us. God said, hey, my, my, my reason, my will, my passion, my voice, like everything, my essence, I'm going to put this into a man. My Lagos, I'm going to put into a man, and his name is Jesus Christ. If you look at Colossians 1.15, and you don't have to turn there, but this is a great verse. My wife knows, I think, do you know this whole chapter or just a big chunk of it? You know a lot of it. Yeah, she knows a lot of it. But it's 1.15, and listen to this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. So when these people saw Jesus walking around, guess what they saw? The, the image of the invisible God. The words that God spoke are as much God as he is. And, and I'll tell you this, that, that's a hard, let me repeat that, because that's a hard thing to comprehend for us, okay? The words that God spoke, the things that he said, the things that came from God are as much God as he is. And here's why. God is complete love. God is complete truth. He's going to speak complete love. He's going to speak complete truth. And the reason I think this is hard for us to understand is because we don't use our words uh, all the time to, to perfectly uh, uh, what's the word? The, the words that we use don't always represent us the best. Would you agree with that? Anybody ever told a lie before? Right? Seriously, Mariah, you have? Wow. All right. What was the lie? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to tell me. All right. 
You don't have to tell me. But guys, I want to tell you a quick story. Here's, again, this is hard for us to comprehend because our words don't typically, it doesn't always match up with what we're saying, all right? My son Jack is, me and my wife joke that we think he was born a Christian, okay, because he's such a good-hearted kid. He's a super nice kid. He's, he tends to be very sympathetic and very affectionate. Like, um, he, I, I, I'll lay down in bed, and I'll look at my nightstand, and he will always, I just find cards there. It's like, to daddy from Jack, and he'll just draw me a picture and stuff. It's like all the time. He's a good boy, all right? He cries a lot, but he's a good boy. But the thing about Jack is one, the one day Brittany says, um, she says, Matt, I got to talk to you when you get home. It's about Jack. And I said, what did he do? I said, did he pray for someone? Did he lead someone to Christ? Obviously, he did something. And she goes, no, 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 the complete opposite. He lied. And I said, no, not Jack, not my little Jack. So we came home. You're going to have to help me with the story because I can't remember it all the way. But, but we, we, I came home, and, and Brittany says, just tell him what, what happened. Because what had happened was, uh, was it one of Amer- Maura's American Girl doll hair was cut off, right? Oh, it was a cheapo doll, but we told her it was an American Girl doll because we're cheap, all right? But she had this doll, and what had happened was its hair got cut off a little bit. And so, so Maura was trying to get, she, she was investigating and trying to get to the, the bottom of it, and we found out that it was Jack. But Jack did not, didn't say that it was him. What he said was, he says, I know exactly who it was. And we said, who was it? And he goes, um, or, or, and the other thing was our seatbelt. Somebody had, somebody, whoever had cut the doll's hair with the scissors had tried cutting the seatbelt in our van as well. And that's where I started to lose it. I was like, those can't be cheap, especially not in a Toyota Sienna, right? So, so anyways, I, I asked him, I said, what happened? And he goes, well, Dad, it was the craziest thing. He says, um, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he says, uh, I looked out the window, and I saw who did it. I said, was it Peter? Are you going to seriously say it was your younger two-year-old brother? And he goes, no, 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 it was a raccoon. And I said, he said a raccoon, right? Yeah, and I said, and, and I was like, oh, continue, please. And he goes, the raccoon opened the door, got in the car, cut the hair of the doll, and then started cutting. Oh, that's what it was. Got the scissors out of the glove box, cut the hair, and then tried to cut the seatbelt. It was the raccoon. And I believed him. He never lies, all right? No, I'm just kidding. But, but I remember in that instance just being like, oh, my innocent child, he's lying to me, right? And finally, he just goes, guys, I have to tell you, I did it. And we're like, we know. <laughs> you're like, we're, we, we know, all right? You're not, you're not fooling anybody here, right? But you see a story like even an innocent little kid like Jack, his words did not, uh, they, they didn't match up with what he should be, right? His words were different, okay? We never have to worry about this with God. Listen to what, this is a quote by Gary Vanderit. I think that's how you say his name. He says, the deeds and the words of Jesus are the deeds and the words of God. Everything that Jesus said is God speaking. Everything that Jesus did is God acting. Okay? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one more point, and then we'll finish up. Here's the second point, all right? Uh, next point, please. <laughs> I love it. Here it is. No one represents God better than God. No one represents God better than God. Has anybody ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Anybody ever seen it? Yeah. I remember when uh, I saw an episode once where I guess there was a boss who was pretty upset with how one of his branches was being ran. And so he says, that's it. I've tried to tell them how to do it. They're not doing it right. I'm just going to go undercover myself, and I'm going to go in there and show them how it's done. But I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to go in and pretend like I'm a regular employee. 
So he goes in there, and, and it's this funny thing because they eventually find out that it's him. But in his mind, he goes, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm just, if, if it's going to be done right, I'm just going to do it myself. Has anybody ever had that philosophy with themselves? Guys, I'll be honest with you. You can talk to Fred. You can talk to Andrew. You can talk to Caitlin, Riley. Uh, who else? Probably Zach Lewald. Like one thing I'm trying to do is give up a lot of the things that I do around here so that it can be done better, okay? And I tend to micromanage a little bit. And so it's funny, like, with, a little bit, just a little bit. It's funny with Fred last night. Fred, I said, Fred, I want you to pick the song list for me. And he goes, all right. So he picked some songs, and I text him back. I was like, yeah, we're going to change those songs. And he goes, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I even doing this? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And, and the thing is, like, I was like, we got to wait for an electric guitar to do that song. And, but the thing is, there, I'll be honest with you. There are times with myself where I just say, if I want it done right, I'm just going to do it myself, right? But, that, but, but, but I don't do it right. The, the, like, uh, that's what we were talking about in the band today is, like, we start late because of me. I, uh, you know, I don't get the songs out in time and stuff like this. And this is why I need to equip people to do better, right? But here's the cool thing about God is that if anybody can ever say, hey, if it's going to be done right, I'm just going to do it myself, who can do that? God, right? God can do it, and he does it through Jesus. And listen to this. We, um, if, if we've gone over the book of Genesis before, and in Genesis— God chose a certain person to represent him on earth. Does anybody know who that person was? Who was it? Dude, I'm very impressed with you, Bryce. Yes. Bryce. No, Jace. I always call you Bryce. It's Jace. My bad. All right? Adam. God, the very first person that God chose to represent him on the earth was Adam. He says, Adam, you're going to be my representative here. Think of it. You're going to be my ambassador. You're going to be the one who uh, tends to the earth. You're going to take care of the animals. You're going to have dominion over them. This is why we are way more valuable than dogs and cats, okay? All right? And anybody who says, this is my daughter or this is my son, and they're talking about their dog, it's not your son or your daughter, it's a dog, okay? All right, let's move on. I told you I had a bad day. All right. But God assigned Adam to represent him, and I think we know the story. Did Adam represent God well? Did Adam represent God well? No. He screwed it up. In fact, he didn't just screw it up for himself. He screwed it up for everybody. So now all of us, because of Adam's sin, we're all in the tank, right? We're all, we're all born sinners and this. And, and this is why God sent Jesus. Is he says, you know what? If, if it's going to be done right, I'm going to do it myself. And I am going to send a part of me, the Lagos, and I'm going to put him into a man, and that person is going to walk among you guys. Don't you guys agree that Jesus represented God very well? Don't you think so? He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And this is important. Jesus shows us what a perfect and holy lifestyle looks like. Here's what's cool about this is back in the Old Testament, when God, was, would, when God would speak to somebody, he would, well, he would speak to the prophets. And he would say, prophets, go and tell my people what it is I want them to know. So they would hear. They would hear. And I love that in the New Testament, God says, you know, I've told them a lot of things. I've given them scripture. Now I'm going to show them. And he sent Jesus Christ, which is pretty awesome. Good little rule of thumb for you guys. If you ever want to study and get better, uh, they say when, you, when you're taking notes in class, write your notes out. And then when you go home, reread your notes and then write them out again and reread them. And multiple senses, multiple senses will help you remember stuff better. And I think that God's just like, you know, they've heard a lot about me, you know, and stuff. I'm going to show them what a perfect holy lifestyle looks like by sending my son Jesus Christ. So here's the question, then we'll finish off. What does this have to do with me? Or what does this have to do with you? Why do we need to know that Jesus was God? 
Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but saying that Jesus is God is a very, very controversial thing to say. You realize this, right? Like, this is, this is, a, uh, this is not an easy thing to say nowadays. If you know anybody who's a Muslim and you say Jesus is God, they're going to be like, eh, nope. Mm-mm. If you know anybody who's a Hindu, you're going to be like, Jesus is God. They're like, yeah, probably, but there's 3,000 other gods, so what's the big deal, right? Like, to say that Jesus is God and that he's the only God is a very controversial thing. And it wasn't that it was just controversial to non-Christians. This was controversial to Christians as well at the beginning. Because think about this. When, when the Bible says that he's the son of God, you go, well, he's the son of God. How can he be God? Is he the son of himself? That doesn't make sense. And it was confusing to people, right? But here's the thing. When you start to look at the logos as the expression of God, as, as the will of God, which is what Jesus was in the human flesh, it really starts to make a little more sense. Back in a uh, long time ago, Dee, you might know this. You're a church history buff, I think. I don't know. But there was, there was a controversy called the Arian Controversy. And there was a guy named Arian who went out there and he says, uh, he said, hey, Jesus is not God. How can he be God? He's the son of God, right? And he was, this, he was a Christian. And so what they did was they had this council called the Council of Nicaea. All right, you've probably heard about that from the Da Vinci Code, all right? But, but in this, this really happened where these guys got together and they had this whole council to determine or to decide, is Jesus really God? Because it's a bold, bold claim. And it's a very controversial claim. And what they did by the end of the, the, the council is they decided, yeah, Jesus is God, and Arian, you're a heretic. And he uh, did not go well for him, all right? So what I want to do is I want to read one more verse, and then we'll kind of finish off here, okay? This is John chapter 1. Let's reread verses 4 and 5, okay? This is the reason that Jesus came, all right? In him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Those two verses right there tell us the whole reason Jesus came. You guys know what a lighthouse is? You know what a lighthouse is, right? I, I've been to a couple of lighthouses, and I don't know what it is about lighthouses, but when, I, when I'm looking at a lighthouse, I just get, kind of get this awe about me. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. This is a lighthouse. I feel the same way about railroads, by the way. I don't know what it is. Like, when, I'm st- when, I, when I see a railroad, I go, it's beautiful. It's like, it's the Ameri- it's just the American thing. I don't know. So, what, does that bother you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, love, I love when Mariah's on the front row because she's always like, oh, my goodness. Like, anytime I say anything, all right, that's okay. I, I like it. It kind of eggs me on, right? But a lighthouse, the, the purpose of a lighthouse is that it's a very simple concept. They build these towers right on the edge of the shore, and the, these lighthouses are specifically to guide boats, where if it's a dark and rainy day and the boats are coming into shore, um, they don't know where the shore is. And I don't know if you know this, but if you're in a boat heading towards shore and you don't know that the shore is coming up and you run into the shore, it might not end well for you. In fact, there have been a lot of accidents over, over time where they're like, we can't see anything, and then they crash into the rocks on the shore and then people on the ship die. This is where the lighthouse comes in. This lighthouse, it's this cool invention that it's on the edge of the shore, and in dark and rainy nights, The lighthouse just shines light everywhere. And what they do is through the darkness, they're able to see that light and say, oh, this is how I'm going to stay alive. This is how I'm going to not die is because that tells me exactly where the shore is. I can slow down and easily go in there. When we read this passage that Jesus or the Logos was the light that shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it, think about this. Guys, we live, don't you agree we live in a fallen world? Do you guys think we live in a dark world? They say that the, the last century was the bloodiest century of all time. Like, you, you think, that includes World War II, World War I, Vietnam, Korean War, like all these things, the Holocaust. 
And I think we tend to think, oh, man, things are, things are, we're more modern, right? Things are, we've got it together better. We, we know exactly what's going on. But guys, it was the bloodiest century of all time. Uh, child prostitution is a big thing nowadays. The, the sex trafficking is a big thing, right? I mean, just there, a murder is a big, huge thing in our country. Theft, like, this is a big, huge thing. Believe it or not, we live in a very dark, dark world. My, my, uh, one of my relatives from England, I remember she came and stayed at our house, and she, they let her stay in my bedroom, and I had to sneak in there to get my clothes out, and she had already gone to sleep, so I was trying to be quiet, and she woke up, and she goes, don't leave me alone, don't kill me, don't leave me alone, and I said, are you okay? And in the morning, she told me, she just goes, man, we think America's the Wild West in England. Like, we think that all of you guys have guns and are shooting each other. I said, well, we've all got guns. We just ain't shooting each other, right? At least most of us. But the thing is, I think she had a pretty accurate view. Like, we live in a dark, dark place. And the reason that God sent Jesus was he says, you know what? These guys are in a dark place. They're they're on their way to the shore. They're on their way to certain death. I'm going to send myself. I'm going I'm to represent myself the best way that I can by being a man, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to show them the light. I'm going to show them how to live. And guys, here's the thing. If you don't think, if you don't think that Jesus is God, that, that really has a great effect on your life. If you think Jesus is God, it should change the way you think. It should change the way you speak, the way you act, the way you do everything. But if you think that Jesus was just a good man that had a couple of good quotes, I can find you good quotes all day online, right? He was more than just a good man. He was God. So this first portrait here, it's important that we realize when we're talking about the portraits of Jesus that the first and foremost thing that we do is we see Jesus as God. That right there is the foundation of our Christianity, because if Jesus wasn't God and he was just some dude that loved a lot of people and said, hey, I'm going to die for them, that's not enough, right? It's not enough, right? So let's go ahead and bow our heads real quick. What I want to do is I want you guys to, uh, as we're praying, and I got to say you guys did really good not talking during the message today. Thank you. Um, but as we pray, I want you guys to be thinking about, honestly, how do you view God? How do you view Jesus? Because there are times when I, I tend to, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think I view Jesus accurately sometimes. I don't think I see him as this Savior and that he is God. And, and, and like I said, if you, when, the moment you start to view Jesus as God and you realize, wow, he was the only, because he was God, he was able to stay perfect. And because he was able to stay perfect, he was able to pay the penalty for my imperfections. Sinners can't die for sinners, Right? Only somebody who's perfect can die for you, and that's exactly what Jesus did because he was God. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have been able to do it. So let me pray. Um, dear God, thank you so much for this day. And God, my, my prayer is that if there's anybody in this room who, uh, who is a Christian, that, that, but just maybe we just kind of gone off the track a little bit, and we've, we've forgotten that, that you literally, are, you're the logos. You are the, your very expression and your nature became man and dwelt among us for no other reason that, than because that you loved us, that you loved us so much that we are in these ships in these dark, rainy days heading for the shore for certain death, and that wasn't okay with you. You love us so much that you wanted to save us, God, that you sent your son to be the light to us, to give us life. 
I pray that the Christians in here, that we can remember that, that we can dwell on that every day so that we're not afraid to talk about it to people in our lives. And God, for the people in this room who've never given their life to you, maybe there's people in here who are living in that dark place and they don't have that light. They're, they're just sailing away in a dark ocean of, of sin and despair, depression, anger, lust, greed, whatever it is, God. Lord, I pray that you can just let them accept this gift that, you, that you've given of your son on the cross so that they can see this light. God, you've made yourself available to us. All we have to do is accept that gift. God, we thank you so much for how you bless us. I thank you for blessing this ministry, and I thank you for, for how much you've loved everybody in this room that you were willing to come and die on a cross for us. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.